This is the best podcast. BEST stands for Business, Entrepreneurship, Startups, and Technology. I'm your host, Adam Sockledge, and each week we talk live on social media platforms like Twitter Spaces so that you can stay up to date with the latest news and stories, learn the greatest tools and tactics, and gain some of the best opportunities to connect with new people. Special guests include top founders, CEOs, and experts. Plus, the audience is always full of fascinating people. Even Elon Musk recently tuned in. All of our conversations are educating, entertaining, and engaging with the mission to help you succeed. So follow us on all your favorite social media platforms, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and of course, tune in live to the best podcast. Let's talk soon. Of course, I'm so excited to have you here, Pomp. Uh, are you ready to get going? Let's do it. Awesome. Awesome, man. All right, folks. Well, let's get this going. My name is Adam Sockledge, also known as the best of live audio. And I'm so excited to be here with you folks today. Each week we host fascinating thinkers and doers. And for a while now, I've always wanted to talk with Pomp. Now, if you aren't already familiar with Anthony Pompliano, he is an entrepreneur, an investor, a writer, podcaster on all things the top topics of decentralized finance. He's obviously no stranger to Bitcoin and the blockchain space, as well as Twitter. So, Pomp, you've got a lot going on, man. You're in investing, you're writing, you're podcasting, you're reading and writing your notes once a week. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're also a dad. Is that right? I am. I uh, have a, a young daughter. I have a young daughter as well. She's six. She's growing up fast. So I imagine like, what you're going through. But you have so much going on, man. How is it being a dad with that as well? I mean, of course, I can imagine your late nights and just taking care of the kiddo. But there's really special moments with that as well, right? Yeah, I love it. I, um, uh, I actually don't think it is. Uh, a lot of friends that kind of run from it or, uh, you know, they complain. But uh, I love every second of it. And uh, I got woke up twice last night in the middle of the night and uh couldn't be happier so i'm uh i'm enjoying it and highly recommend for anyone who, uh, who wants to have kids good good good. well before we jump in what's just one thing what's the best part of being a dad for you or what's one thing that you've learned from being a dad in the last year uh just having fun like n nothing matters other than having fun and uh kids can uh, very easily remind you of that Yep, that's exactly right. And kids make things so simple. I love that. One thing I love about you, Pomp, is that there's this concept of like explain it to me like I'm five, right? And you take these high level context uh, content and you really give us great context, boiling it down, explaining it to us like we're all five years old. So let's dive in, folks. We're going to talk a little bit about podcasting, Twitter. You got an upcoming conference coming on. Of course, you're into Bitcoin and you just put out a great post about AI as well. So we'll be diving into that with a short little bit of Q&A as well. So folks, go ahead, raise your hand if you're interested. We'll bring you up if we have a chance to get at least one speaker and maybe a few more. Um, but Pomp, let's get going. So you're hosting a fantastic podcast, the Pomp Podcast. You've been interviewing for years now. Tell us one of those moments. What was the best interview that you had? And what's one thing that you're learning from these interviews? What's that advice that you can then share with us in the audience and for creators in the space as well? Yeah, I don't know if there's one uh, specific interview that was like my favorite or, or the best one. I think I learned from uh, all of them. Um, the ones that, frankly, I think I uh, enjoy more than people may realize are the ones that have nothing to do with uh, with finance or you know the billionaires or any of that stuff. I think it's easy from the outside to be like, oh my god, it must be amazing to talk to all these super successful people. And you know, I, I appreciate their time and learn a lot from them. Uh, but the ones. Uh, or the conversations that I find uh, 
most enjoyable are probably uh, folks uh, who have nothing to do with business or finance. Um, and they're just kind of, you know, quote, unquote, real people. <laughs> they're just trying to, uh, uh, you know, kind of figure it out alongside everyone else. Mm, I love that. And so as we look ahead, one question I always love to ask people is, who would be a dream conversation for you? And Pomp, I know you've had so many so far, and I'm sure you have many coming up in the near future as well. But who's someone out there that it would just be an absolute dream? And of course, maybe it's someone from the past, but obviously someone alive would be better as well. Who, who might that be? Um, dream guest. I don't know. Like, I think it'd be fascinating to interview the Pope. I think it'd be fascinating to interview the president uh, of the United States uh, across both political aisles. I think it'd be fascinating uh, to interview. I want to interview a computer that has stored the thoughts and prior like messages and style of a dead person, I think would be fascinating. Um, and then I think that it would be uh, pretty interesting to uh, talk to people that are like relatively unknown, but have done extraordinary things. So there's a whole group of people who uh, are probably not known very well in the Western world. Um, but they are either local heroes uh, or legends. Um, and I think those people are, uh, are fascinating. It's unfortunate. I don't know who they are, but, uh, but I'm on a quest to find them. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. One more follow-up question about the podcast, and then we're going to move on because I do want to dive into more bit about Twitter, also your conference. And as you mentioned, you know, political parties with uh, both sides, that could bring in a debate. And that's one thing about your conference that you've got coming up in the next couple of months that I'm really interested in is debating as well. But before we get to that, one thing that you've just posted recently on on your Twitter thread and uh, folks go ahead, follow pomp. If you haven't already is that you're going to be removing all advertisers from the podcast and YouTube videos. Now you had a short form video to go along with that, but give us a little bit more context of what's going on and the reactions that you've been getting since you shared that post just in the last week or so. Yeah. I mean, look, I started all of this, uh, in terms of, I don't know, 2017 and 2016, um, and it's grown to be quite large. Uh, I had no plan for it to be that. I never thought it'd be a business, anything like that. Um, it obviously grew, uh, in the size of the audience uh, in order to continue to produce as much content as possible and keep it as high quality as possible. Uh, we built out a team, we've got an office, we got a bunch of equipment, you know, it became kind of a real thing. Um, and so, uh, in order to make that sustainable, we pursued advertising as a, uh, revenue source. Um, you know, every podcast you listen to pretty much has advertising on it. Uh, same with, uh, you know, most forms of content that, uh, they get. And really the idea there, if you talk to most people and including myself is like, you want the content to be free. You want as many people to be able to consume it as possible. Um, and so, uh, Crypto is a little different. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. I think there's two main differences. One is uh, if somebody's advertising on, let's say, a media publication or on television, like a CNBC or something, nobody's yelling and screaming at the network or at the media publication when their advertisers do bad things, right? It, it, a host red ad is very much the individual's name, face, brand is on uh, the advertising. So although the mechanism is advertising, there, there's a, a different component to it. And so there's more reputation uh, uh, kind of assigned to it. And that's, you know, both good and bad, depending on if the situation is good or bad. Um, and then the second thing is uh, if you think about 
uh, a way to create a system or a platform where the content remains as free as possible, but it is sustainable. That's what we're now going to go try to figure out is if we take all the advertising off, uh, what else can you do? And, you know, look, I've been building companies and investing companies for a long time. I think that we will figure it out, uh, but I don't have all the answers right now. So um, personally funding the team, um, you know, it sucks uh, having to to write checks every single month and knowing that you're basically running a business that is intentionally losing money. Uh, But I think it's the better thing over the long run. Um, And, you know, frankly, part of the the exciting uh, aspect and, and the challenging aspect of it is like, I don't know what the answer is. And I've talked to a ton of people um, who have tried to solve this problem. Uh, some of them have done it, you know, with some degree of success. Others have failed at it. And so, um, you know, it, it's intellectually stimulating to try to figure it out. Um, and, you know, it, it'll be fun to see, you know, if we talk in a year from now, what uh, what happened. Ooh, I love that. Yes. And in a year, let's definitely do that because one of my questions would have been like, well, what are the ideas that you have? Right. Or of course, what's your thought process, thought process on that? But of course we could talk about that all day. One thing I do know that's coming up for you though, is that you do have a conference coming up in just a few months, right? Yeah. And the conference is, you know, one piece of, uh, I think, you know, uh, how we will, um, you know, build the business, right? If, if you think about why I started all of the content, it's the best way that I know how to learn. I basically take ideas, I throw them out there in the world, uh, I get feedback, and then I just do it over and over and over again. I've met amazing people and uh, been able to build this, you know, massive audience. Um, and so bringing them all together in person uh, is, um, you know, kind of a natural extension of what we do in the virtual world. But also, uh, it is a great way to just say to the audience, look, if you find this stuff valuable, come, right? Buy a ticket and come. And we've done events in the past. You know, uh, a lot of people will remember we did an event in Washington Square Park in 2021. A thousand people showed up, right, on like two days notice. So like there are people who they want to be around other like-minded individuals. They want to learn. They want to uh, kind of forget all the nonsense and, and they want to focus on high-quality ideas. They want to debate. Um, and I think that, you know, frankly, we live in a society where, it's more about hot takes than it is about conversation. It's more about, you know, dunking and canceling each other than it is about trying to understand each other. And so um, we are going to start announcing uh, today speakers and uh, it's a pretty good lineup. I think there's some surprises in there that people will say like, why are those people coming to a conference? Uh, But I ultimately just think that uh, the more exposure you can get to a wide variety of ideas and, and different types of people from different walks of life, the more you can learn, the more understanding you have, and frankly, the better off society probably is. Yes, I love that. And I've been so excited to hear who those speakers are. I was hoping you might be announcing it yesterday so we could talk about that today. But, you know, would you be, is it crazy to ask if maybe one of those speakers we could know now, or will you just be tweeting about it in just a little bit? Uh, I'll tweet about it a little bit. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, hey, one thing I love about this conference, by the way, folks, if you're interested, if you follow Pomp and you're excited about this, I just tagged the post in the top of this space right now. What I love is it, it helped. As you mentioned, you're bringing people together to have really great conversations, but also bringing in that debate. And with Twitter, with Twitter spaces and virtual events like this, you can do that. Now, I see the power in real life as well. With virtual, you have it at scale. 
But what I really love that you were talking about is bringing in like a difference of opinion, different viewpoints you can learn from this, right? And you mentioned a word that I've been trying to study and research as much as possible, and that's like the history of debates. So I remember, I know the name of your conference, but can you give people a little bit more context of how you came up with the name? But really, what's that debate mean to you? What are you trying to get out of the debate as you host the conference, but then in the future as well? Yeah, so uh, the event is called Lyceum Miami. For those that don't know, the Lyceum was uh, a public gymnasium in uh, Athens, Greece, in ancient uh, Greece. And uh, the story of the Lyceum essentially is uh, there was a number of individuals who uh, wanted to uh, pursue scientific and philosophical inquiry, um, but they didn't have any money. They weren't allowed to own land because they weren't citizens. Um, and so they did it in public at the gymnasium, at the Lyceum. Um, and they brought together people from all walks of life, and they debated. And the beauty of debate, debate back then was uh, it was seen as kind of a gentlemanly or like a scholar-type uh, pursuit. People didn't get offended. They didn't you know, freak out and cancel each other. It was very much uh, kind of a war of ideas. Um, and if there's anything that we know throughout history, whether it's scientific inquiry or philosophical inquiry, uh, being able to question uh, the norm, being able to question the status quo, being able to throw out new ideas. That's ultimately how we get progress. That's ultimately how uh, we figure out what works. And so if you think about uh, the Lyceum, in my opinion, it was uh, the kind of apex of intellectual experimentation. And um, that idea of debate is really important. And so uh, I for sure am bringing people who I don't agree with. I'm bringing people who uh, I think other people don't agree with. I'm even bringing, there's one panel uh, that is full of individuals that come from an entire industry that is looked down upon by society uh, and they're kind of reinventing themselves. And so the more that I can bring those people, um, I know that the, uh, the event won't be for everybody, right? It'll be for people who are interested in learning, who are interested in uh, new ideas um, and who, you know, frankly take it somewhat seriously this idea of uh, questioning the status quo. Uh, so I'm excited about it, and I think people will, uh, will find the speakers uh, quite, uh, uh, quite exhilarating. I'm excited for that as well. And I just don't often hear people talking about debates beyond just the, the political ones that are out there, right? And even then, whether they're on Twitter spaces or not, they tend to be one-sided unless you have someone there in the middle that can help moderate it who genuinely wants to hear those perspectives and potentially learn from them as well. So I love what you're doing, man. And that's an absolute dream. Uh, I would love to attend yeah. as well. And I hope people in the audience will check that out. Now, as we continue, uh, I know we are tight on well, Adam, time. Just one thing I would say on that, I think, is you, you nailed it in that, like, the reason why you don't see a lot of debates is because people don't want to listen, right? And, and when you think about great conversations, great conversations have two components. They have good questions and they have good listening. Mm -hmm. And part of, I think, the you know issue, if, if you will, or, or one of the challenges uh, in a world that is full of notifications and dopamine and social media and doom scrolling and all this stuff is that, like, it's not actual about nuance. It's not about understanding. It's all about, you know, dunks and retweets and all that stuff. And like, mm -hmm. I get just as excited as anyone else on the internet, right? I'm, I'm human too. But I think that, you know, if we can just get towards that understanding and understand that it's through listening, 
right? Hearing people out, understanding what their ideas are, uh, even if you don't agree with it, that's probably a pretty good spot for us to be. Yeah. And, and one thing for folks in the audience, you know, obviously you're here on Twitter spaces, but I have been on here for two, two and a half years. And it's just been an incredible experience as well as learning to actively listen, learning to publicly speak, but be open to those perspectives and connect with people and learn things that you've never been able to do before. So I think Twitter spaces is fantastic, but doing it in person at an event like yours, Pomp, is truly exciting as well. And again, Pomp, I know we're late on, uh, short on time today. I was expecting a little bit longer, but we also got a late start. So I'm going to keep this moving. Um, you know, Wolf, we're going to get to you in just a second for your question. Before we get to that, Pomp, a topic that's been on my mind, of course, I want to dive into you all about Bitcoin. Uh, you have quite a lot to say about that, but you just posted this morning a fantastic topic are AI and Bitcoin switching roles in investors' mind? Now, this is the topic of AI has been something I've been diving into a lot very, very recently. And I have a new series coming out here on Twitter Spaces with some great AI leaders in the space in just the next few weeks as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, but can you walk us through where this idea came from and a little bit more context of what is in that post? Uh, I'll also tag it at the top of the room for people to check out as well. But Pomp, just what's the story there? What, what's your perspective on AI versus Bitcoin? Yeah, I got to uh, I got to admit, everyone always thinks when I write these uh, letters in the morning that there's some master plan, or I've been <laughs> plotting to write it, you know, for weeks. Uh, the truth is, I woke up this morning and uh, I went on CNBC.com, just saw what was you know kind of going on in the news, and the top two stories, uh, kind of right there at the top, were literally Coinbase laying off twenty percent of its staff and Microsoft uh, potentially investing ten billion dollars in ChatGPT's uh, OpenAI, and I was like, man. You know what? What a uh, what a change of fortune for those two industries. Uh, because if we'd been talking eighteen months ago, it would have probably been the exact opposite. There wasn't that much interest in AI compared to uh, to Bitcoin and crypto world. And so uh, I basically went and just did some research as I was writing. If you go ahead and you take a look, what you find is that Google search results, um, you know, the topic of AI passed crypto uh, back in the summer of 2022 and uh, has continued to exceed uh, any interest in crypto. If you look at uh, the price of publicly traded cryptocurrencies, they're down you know, 75 to 99 percent. Uh, AI startups uh, have continued to re uh, increase in valuation. Uh, but what's interesting is the total uh, dollars invested in both crypto and AI is down, which speaks more to the macro environment, and just kind of venture investors generally uh, deploying less capital. So kind of year over year uh, dollars invested in 2022 is less than in 2021. Uh, but then I kind of tied it all together. And I said, look, well, you know, it's easy to kind of pit them against each other in terms of investor interest, there's actually a lot more similarities than differences. And one of the key similarities that people forget is that both the AI industry and also the Bitcoin crypto world, uh, open source ethos is kind of a core component. And so what you're starting to see, uh, you know, what you have seen in crypto over the years is uh, this pursuit of open source technology and kind of building decentralized networks and all that stuff. One of the concerns in AI for years was that there was going to be centralization when it came to these AI models and the, and the ownership. Now what we're actually seeing, though, is that there is not that centralization. There's actually a decent amount of decentralization in terms of the innovation, uh, but also there's a lot of open sourcing of the language models and, and the technology itself. And so it's fascinating to think about because, you know, investor interest has obviously shifted from crypto to AI to some degree. There's quantitative and quantitative. Uh, um, 
uh, there's quantitative metrics to that, but there's also this uh, aspect of uh, that may not be a good thing. Right. If you're an investor, you don't want to shift interest when everyone else is shifting interest. You want to have been investing in AI in 2015 to 2021, right? And then benefit when everyone else starts to come in. So it's it's about being there before everyone, not necessarily being there when everyone else kind of turns their head and looks. And so in, in some way, although investor interest is shifting, that may actually kind of uh, speak to or, or kind of raise the hand on. Well, actually, maybe the people who are counter trading public investor sentiment, they may be the ones who, uh, who are best positioned over the coming years. Time will tell. Ooh, Pomp. I want to dive into this with you even further. But again, I know we're tight on time and there's so many topics that we can dive into. Of course, there would have been more with Twitter and, and other topics, uh, even Bitcoin. I've got an extra five minutes. If we keep going, I can go to 1235. I just moved. Appreciate that. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I also love that with the power of live audio, we can also engage with people, right? It's not just a one-way street. And so I had brought one of one of my friends, Wolf. Gav, it's so good to have you here as well. Uh, you're big into the financial space. And so I'm just curious, while you're here on stage with us, uh, you've been listening to this conversation, what's on your mind, Wolf? And what question would you have for Pomp? Thanks, Adam. Appreciate that. Good to chat again, Pomp. We met briefly in Miami. I'm just curious, bouncing off of what you just talked about there, kind of trying to be ahead of the curve. Coming from a finance side guy, nowadays, where is majority of your exposure as you're looking out trying to invest and be ahead of that curve? Is it still primarily in the crypto sphere? Have you leaned into any stocks or other areas? Uh, I have almost no public market exposure. Um, it's very little. Uh, you know, I pretty much haven't changed over the years. I mean, I don't know, I've been doing this for a decade now, and uh, I pretty much only invest in um, venture capital, kind of early stage technology startups uh, in Bitcoin, um, and then in the businesses that uh, I own and operate. And really the thought process, I think, is the following. Um, one, the businesses that I own uh, provide a uh, different risk profile, a, a different uh, kind of financial uh, potential reward than, let's say, the early stage venture uh, or Bitcoin. So you kind of have some diversification in, in uh, various types of businesses. The second is I'm still relatively young, uh, although that's changing every year. Um, and so uh, being able to compound capital for a long period of time, uh, I think the best way to do that is obviously to own businesses that compound uh, in value. And, and so I try to kind of position myself to do that. Um, and then the third thing I would say is I'm a huge believer that value follows uh, innovation. And if you look at you know my portfolio, uh, majority of uh, my financial exposure across all the different uh, things is really chasing that innovation. Now, innovation obviously doesn't always work. Um, and, and so there's going to be really, really big wins and there's going to be uh, plenty of zeros along the way. Um, and you just kind of have to say, look, I'm a big boy. I understand the risk that I'm taking. And, and uh, uh, I'm going to position myself this way, but um, yeah, so far uh, it, it's worked out financially, but even more importantly is I'm having fun. And so uh, I don't see it changing anytime soon. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate this as well, Pomp. And thank you again for this time. I want to make sure to be respectful and make sure you're out and, and focus on what you got next for today. But I want to thank you and I want to thank everyone here in the audience as well. We've covered a lot of topics very, very quickly. We've talked about your podcast, of course, the upcoming conference as well. By the, by the way, folks, if you haven't already clicked on his profile and given him a follow, check that out. The conference is on March 4th in Miami, Florida, and I'm excited for that one. A lot of good debating and I'm excited for the speakers to come out on stage later today or rather 
stuff for you to announce them later today, uh, Pomp. And of course, we could be diving into more about Bitcoin and AI. But Pomp, I want to thank you so much for your time today and Wolf as well and everyone here in the audience. Uh, is there any last piece of advice, Pomp, with what you've got going on in this world as you've talked about, you know, learning from being a father, from being a podcaster, from all of these great things that you're going through right now? What's that one thing that really resonates with you that you'd love to share as advice for this audience as well as a takeaway? Yeah, I don't necessarily have like uh, one piece of advice. I think kind of one size fits all advice is pretty hard. I, I would say that uh, something that um, many people over the last uh, couple of months probably ha have come to the conclusion of, uh, which is, you know, the timeless investing principles are timeless for a reason. Um, and then uh, the other thing that is kind of top of mind is uh, there's a lot of founders uh, right now. Uh, these are founders of tech software companies, of small businesses, um, you know, kind of everything in between, uh, they're quitting. And I think that uh, you have to get in your head that if you're going to sign up to start a business, if you're going to sign up to uh, be an executive at a business or a manager or even, you know, kind of an entry-level employee, uh, the company doesn't die until you quit. Um, and so during tough times, uh, economically, it's very easy for people to uh, feel like there is you know, no light at the end of the tunnel, that the thing they thought that they were uh, building or the, the opportunity they thought they were accepting when they joined a company um, doesn't look as shiny, it doesn't look as sexy, it, it looks like a lot of hard work. And there's a certain type of person that gets excited when things get tough and, and hard work is necessary. Uh, and there's a lot of people who run from that. And so if you're the type of person who gets excited, you know, you're going to have a good couple of years here. Uh, if you're the type of person that doesn't like that idea, um, you know, it may be tough for you. But ultimately, I think that's really one of the, the key, um, you know, kind of uh, yes, no, or binary outcomes over the next couple of years is the people who win, they're just not going to quit. And so, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, whether you're running the company, whether you're working at a company, uh, whether you're trying to get something off the ground, whatever, just you got to sign up for uh, many, many years of hard work. And, and if you don't quit, then you got a shot, which I think is all anyone can ask for. That's right. That's right. And you know, folks, I also write for Entrepreneur Magazine. I work closely with the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, Jason Pfeiffer. And one thing he says as for interviewing as many successful people as possible, the common thread amongst many of them is adaptability. It's There's going to be changes in life. It's how you react to that. It's how you address that. It's what your next move is. And so if you are excited, I completely agree with what you are saying there, Pomp. So again, I know we're running over time, Pomp, but thank you so much for this opportunity to talk. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you, Wolf, and the folks with the audience as well. So thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yep. Take care. This is the best podcast. BEST stands for business, entrepreneurship, startups, and technology. I'm your host, Adam Sockledge, and each week we talk live on social media platforms like Twitter Spaces so that you can stay up to date with the latest news and stories, learn the greatest tools and tactics, and gain some of the best opportunities to connect with new people. Special guests include top founders, CEOs, and experts. Plus, the audience is always full of fascinating people. Even Elon Musk recently tuned in. All of our conversations are educating, entertaining, and engaging with the mission to help you succeed. So follow us on all your favorite social media platforms, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and of course, tune in live to the best podcast. Let's talk soon.